This morning, the scripture uh, lesson is taken from uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of God, and may our heart be good soil to hear the preaching by Reverend Gabriel, the sermon title, The Great Commission. Good morning, church. Uh, I'm the new boy in the block. Uh, my name is Gabriel. Uh, some of you may yeah, prefer to call me Reverend Gabriel or Pastor Gabriel, whatever, right? Um, you may not recognize me uh, if I change my mask next time, but uh, we will try and uh, you know meet up maybe sometimes, all right? So, but I think you can tell the difference from the size, uh, huh? Just uh, with Pastor Thing standing next to me, uh, you cannot mistaken Pastor Thing uh, for me, huh? So yeah, I'm the big guy, and <laughs> uh, yeah, good to see all of you here. And this is my first time. Uh, preaching in this century, I, I believe, uh, last year by invitation from Reverend Lenita, uh, I, I was invited to preach over Zoom, right? So it's a privilege this morning to, um, to share with you God's Word as we, you know, as we turn to the Word of God. You know, not too long ago, we celebrated Christmas. I hope you still remember, even though Chinese New Year is coming very soon, <laughs> but uh, we we will still talk about, you know, Christmas for just a little while. And uh, those of you who attended the prayer meeting last Thursday, you will have heard Reverend Lenita say that, you know, uh, last Thursday was Epiphany Thursday, right? The Epiphany Day. And some of you were like, what is that? <laughs> Epiphany is the day where the great, uh, the Orthodox uh, Church, they celebrated um, so-called Christmas. They celebrated the birth um, of Jesus on that day. And it's very closely connected to the theme of Christmas because in Christmas, uh, on Epiphany Day, we celebrated the revelation, the revelation of uh, God in His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ came on earth and He revealed the heart of God to us. Uh, he revealed the heart of God to us. Now, First question this morning. You may have heard this for uh, many times already, but the question is this. What is the purpose for Jesus to come to earth? Right? What is the purpose for Jesus to be incarnated, uh, to come to this earth? Think about that for just a few seconds. I know, uh, you know, very often when we think about the, the question, uh, this question asked by the pastor, asked by the reverend, whatever, and, and straight away we think about the cross, right? That's what comes to our mind. Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins, 
right? Standard answer. That's correct, right? Jesus died uh, to die on the sins so that those of us who believe in Him will have eternal life. Our sins are forgiven because we believe in Jesus Christ. And, you know, that's great. That's a great answer. But do you know that to die on the cross, the crucifixion, is not the only reason why Jesus was incarnated. Because if Jesus were to come to die on the cross only, then he could have just come and visit us for like, you know, a good two days. Uh, today I check in to this place called the earth. And then the next day I'm going to walk out to the cross and die for humanity so that those who believe uh, in Jesus can be saved. Jesus could very well done that if dying on the cross is the sole purpose, the sole mission of his incarnation. Why didn't he do that? Something to ponder about. Jesus came as a little baby born in manger, and we know the rest of the story well. But why would he do that? What is the purpose of this full fullness of his life on earth, 30 over years spent with his disciples, talking about the kingdom of God, and, you know, leading all the way to the cross, his death, his resurrection, and finally his ascension. What is the purpose of all this? God has in his eternal mind more than just the crucifixion of his son to appease his wrath. Jesus, when he came, you all, uh, I'm sure you read the four gospel accounts, and when Jesus came, he called the disciples. Right, the 12 disciples. Of course, we know that Judas betrayed Jesus. But Jesus called one by one, follow me, follow me. Right, I'll teach you to be the fisher of man. Jesus called the disciples. Jesus' agenda includes the making of disciples. Jesus came not just to die on the cross, but to also call and make disciples of himself. And the agenda of disciple-making continues today. It didn't stop with Jesus. We see that in the passage this morning. Jesus actually passed the baton, right, to his disciples. Say, now it's your turn. The great commission. Now it's your turn to make disciples of all Nations. Let us turn and look at the, um, our passage this morning. Shall we read together? Um, verse 16 of Matthew 28, if you can just read out loud, right? Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, Matthew 28, um, I hope you all can hear me despite the rain, right? Matthew 28 is the last chapter of the uh, the book of Matthew, right? So by now, Jesus had already went through all that he had to went, uh, to go through. He was, yeah, incarnated. He lived his life among the disciples and, uh, he, he, he was crucified. He was buried and then he was resurrected. He showed himself to the disciples. He showed himself to the 500 brothers. And then now he knew, he knew that he's going to the Father. Right? He's going to ascend to the Father. And he needed to prepare the disciples for what is to come. He needed to prepare them for the ministry of the expansion of the kingdom of God. And so he told them to go, right? To go where? To go to the mountain, right? To prepare them. Jesus told the disciples to go. 
and they simply go. Right? They simply went. They simply obeyed. And so, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the first thing, the first key that we need to know about discipleship is that it is a discipleship of obedience. Right? When Jesus asked the disciples to go, they just go. Someone once said this, you cannot say, no, Lord. Because the two words don't go together. We pray, and we, in our prayer, we call Jesus our Lord and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, right? My Master. We cannot say no if Jesus is truly our Master. Otherwise, He is not really our Master. You cannot use the word no together with the word Lord, right? So when you call Jesus, my Jesus, my Lord Jesus, the only answer you can give when He asks you to go is yes. Right? Yes, Lord Jesus, yes. You can never say go. The disciples, they have went through three and a you know, some people say three and a half years. They about, you know, the disciples spent time with Jesus. They have seen Jesus, they have touched Jesus, they have eaten with Him, they have seen the miracles that Jesus performed, they have listened to His teaching, they have seen Him crucified, they knew that He was buried for sure, they have seen Him resurrected, they knew who Jesus is, and they recognized Jesus as the Master, as the Lord. And so they obey. That's what it is. All right? But was, uh, were the disciples without struggle, they have struggled. They have, right? We look at verse 17, we know. Let us read together verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Most of the time, we thought of the 11 disciples as some spiritual giants. You know, these are the people who can chase out the demons. These are the disciples who had the spiritual authority. These are the disciples who preach, you know, Peter preached and 3,000 turned to believe in Jesus. They have extraordinary faith. They are people who are another lead, you know, who are of another lead, not like us. We thought of the disciples as someone who are very, you know, people who are strong spiritually, people who have high, you know, confidence and faith, who have all the skills they, they needed. But over here in verse 17 tells us that they are common people like us. Even the disciples doubt. Even those who have really spent time with Jesus physically, touching Him, knowing Him, seeing the miracles, spending time, seeing the resurrection, they still doubt. What more for pastors like myself? What more for church leaders? What more for members? You know, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to recognize that we are mortal beings. We are weak we are not very strong and therefore we need to rely upon God in our discipleship. Our faith can be easily shaken. Right? We, we are reminded of Peter who say, I will not deny you, Jesus. But it was not true. When he faced threats in his life, he denied Jesus. Not just one time, but three times. You and I, how can we compare ourselves to Peter 
Apostle Peter, the one who bravely crucified, was crucified, but he said, I'm not worthy. You better crucify me upside down because I'm not on par with Jesus. How can we compare ourselves to someone like Peter? Yet Peter betrayed Jesus. We are not strong, my brothers and sisters. We are weak. Our faith is easily shaken. The disciples were not perfect. They doubted, some of them doubted. Yet, they show us great example here. Why? Because even though they were, you know, they were not very strong, but they were there, right? When Jesus said, go, they simply went ahead and, and to wait upon the Lord and to see, uh, is this really happening? But they were there nonetheless, right? So they learned to cultivate their faith. They learned to grow. They learned to obey. And that's a good example for us. Jesus knew what was in the heart of the disciples, each one of them. You know, Jesus called them, come follow me, Peter, come follow me, John, you know. So Jesus knew them by names and not just that, Jesus knew them by their hearts. Jesus knew the heart of men. You know, when I come here, um, the amount of days that I spend here is roughly 10 over days. And almost every face that I come across is new to me. You know, who and who, who are church leaders, church members, and I have difficulty trying to, um, memorize all the names, all your names. Some of you, I have not the, uh, the, the chance to, you know, have conversation with you. But even then, it's just overwhelming. Okay. I, I'm someone who struggles with memorizing names, but I will try. All right. I'll try to get you, get to know you better and uh, to get to know your names, your condition better. But there's a good news here. Without Lord Jesus Christ, He knows your name. Right? Even though your pastors uh, may not know um, all of your names, may not know your situation, but our Lord Jesus knows your name. And He doesn't just know your name. He knows exactly what is going through in your life right now. Right, the, the Lord knows what are your struggles. The Lord knows what are your temptations. In this road of discipleship, you have obedience issues. The Lord knows it. You are going through tough time to trust, to obey. The Lord knows it. Jesus knows what is going through in our lives. Jesus knows what was going through among His disciples. And that's why He proclaimed in verse 18, Shall we read together? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. My brothers and sisters in Christ, to whom? I know it's a very simple answer, right? But think about this. To whom all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to? Is it to our dear Reverend Lenita, the PIC of FMC? <laughs> she's shaking her head. Huh? Is it to our, maybe she's not big enough, maybe bishop? Has it been given to our bishop, Lao Huiming, who is in, supposed to be in Cebu now? Uh, he was reversed yesterday. So he's the one who's in charge of, uh, you know, the whole Methodist church in Sarawak. That's quite big, you know. But has all the authority in heaven and on earth given to Bishop Lao? No, I believe if Bishop uh, were to be here, he would say, no, maybe he's not big enough. How about our Prime Minister? 
Uh, you all shake your head, no? Okay. How about further away? <laughs> uh, the President of United States? No. The verse tells us, Jesus said, All authority in heaven. I mean, some of us, we don't even know what's going on up there. <laughs> the angels, the world of angels, there's another world up there in heaven and on earth. That means every created beings, every power to command, every power to send, every single authority ever known to man and unknown to man, everything in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, I thank God that it was not given to me. All the authority in heaven and on earth, it, if it was given to me, the earth will be in a mess now. <laughs> I thank God that all the authority in heaven and on earth is not given to any mortal beings who are not immortal, who are not perfect, who are not holy, who are not all-wise. I thank God truly that all the power, the authority that we ever know, some of that we don't know, in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, our righteousness, the holy, the perfect one, the one who loves us so much. Because of that, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we have that confidence in tomorrow. Because we can trust in Jesus. If it's me, I, I don't think you can rest there and be, you know, trusting. Huh? <laughs> I'm just a man. <laughs> But because of Jesus, we can trust in Jesus because Jesus is the perfect one. Never make mistake in his life. His judgment is right. He is all powerful and mighty. And so just like the song that we have uh, all, you know, son just now, may Jesus be the center of my life. May Jesus be the center of your life. May Jesus be the center of this church, FMC. Jesus proclaimed this word. He said those words to the disciples who were doubting, you know, who had doubt. Even though they came, they were weak spiritually. Some of them, they doubt. And so Jesus had to affirm, encourage. Jesus said those lines right before he gave the Great Commission. We often talk about the Great Commission starting with verse 19 and verse 20. But before that, you know, right before the Great Commission was given, Jesus gave an assurance. And that assurance is not based on any other thing, but that assurance is based on the authority that He had already, you know, received. Before the Great Commission, that is the Great presence of the Lord. And that's really a good news, right? The disciples, they, um, they heard about Jesus. So they have to know where the focus really is. 
The reason why they can go, because later on, verse 19 and verse 20, which we will look at you know, in a short while, the reason why they can go out and make disciples of all nations is not because they are resourceful. The disciples... They were not resourceful. Some of, most of them were fishermen and, you know, some of them were having some other jobs. But in all in all, they were not great. They were not resourceful. But they can go and make disciples. Because why? Because all the authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. The reason why the disciples, they can baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is not because they are, you know, they are skillful. It's not because they, they have any kind of uh, authority. But because why? Because all the authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. The reason why the disciples can go and teach everything that the Lord Jesus commanded is not because, you know, they are so well-versed in the Old Testament. They are so well-versed in what Jesus had to say because they heard it themselves. But solely because all the authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. My friends, I do not know most of you as I say, I will take time to know, to get to know you, to get to know your family, to get to know your situation. But again, our Lord Jesus, He knows your very condition. Our Lord Jesus knows what you are going through right now. He knows your heart. And perhaps I'm thinking, some of us, we may be discouraged in our ministry. I'm sure some of us, we have been hurt in our ministry. It's not easy to serve in the church, you know. People don't pay you, and yet they, uh, <laughs> they criticize you, right? So it's very easy to feel offended because you are like, I'm volunteers, right? So you don't require so much of me. And so things happen. People cross the line. People, uh, you know, criticize each other. People get hurt in ministry. Some of us, we may have went through that. We may have been discouraged by others in ministry. Some of us, maybe in the beginning of this new year, it's January, and people are approaching you. Hey, why not you come and join us to be the Sunday school teacher? Why not you come and serve as the pianist? Why not you come and serve as the liturgist? And you are struggling. You know, you are, you are, contemplating but you are struggling some of us we may be thinking you know we are not enough my bible study knowledge is not enough i don't even know where is the book of you know the timothy or what you know, i don't so we struggle we have lack of skills maybe some of us think that i'm not as good in my words so i should not be leader i'm not good with my leadership skills I don't have the time, you know. So we have all kinds of consideration. But the passage this morning reminds us that Jesus Christ is the sole reason why we serve. Is the sole reason why we obey. Of course, we don't obey just the voice of man, you know. Even if pastor asks you to do something, you better pray about it. 
Because pastors, we are not Jesus. We are not the Holy Spirit. Alright? We can share with you the burden of God's heart, but you must have a personal relationship with God. And so if Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit is challenging you in certain direction this, this year, and you are sure of it, you, you better pray about it, you are sure of it, then the only answer that God expects from you is what? Yes. The only answer, no other answer, unless you don't recognize Jesus as your master, as your Lord. But if you truly are a disciple of Jesus, then when Jesus called you to serve, even though you may feel like you are not ready, even though you may feel like you are in lack of certain skills, certain knowledge, certain experience, the only answer is yes. Yes, Lord, I'm weak, but you help me. You will be there for me. Provided you verify right, that this is what the Lord is saying to you. Okay, don't listen to just men. Listen to the voice of God. And there may be some among us who are the other camp, you know, who are more resourceful, who are, who are confident in, in what we do. Oh, this is, you, this is a ministry that I have been serving in for the past 20 years. Easy peasy. Oh, to lead, uh, worship, you know, to lead small group. That's such a, a small task for me. I have this skill, I have that skill, I have that experience. I'm well versed in, in Bible. So, yeah, so easy. But we need to be careful, my brothers and sisters in Christ. If you are like that, then I think you have to be careful as well. Because why? The, the sole reason, again, is the same principle. The sole reason why we can serve and we should serve in ministry is because of Jesus. All the authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, not us. We are the stewards. We are the servants. We are not the master. We take care of what the master has given to us. Last week, if you have heard Reverend Lenita preach um, on the body of Christ, that we are all parts of the body of Christ. But you know this body has the head. And the head is Jesus Christ. Right? This body of Christ, you and I, we must be connected to the head. Can you imagine if your body does, doesn't have a head, you are like a headless chicken, right? You don't know where to go. You don't know the direction. Jesus Christ is the head of His church now and always. It should never change. The head is the one that decides the direction of the church. The head decides what the body should be doing. The head decides what the body should be going. We should all submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then the question comes, what does Jesus demand or expect? from the body, from the church. 
The answer lies in these two simple and yet so rich, you know, verses. And let us read this together. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These two verses capture succinctly the mission of God for His church. You know, what God expects from His church and why it's all, and, and that's, that's why it's also called the Great Commission. You know, what is the purpose of the church of God on earth? What is the purpose of existence for FMC? Why do we have so many churches around us in the world today? What are we expected to do as church? as disciples of Jesus. At the beginning of uh, New Year, the year 2022, I think it's a good time for us to think about this. To ask ourselves at the church level, are we faithful to accomplish what the Great Commission um, is you know, capturing for us? At individual level, we ask ourselves, am I a true disciple of Jesus, faithful, in fulfilling this great commission by Christ. Remember these are, uh, you know, the, the last few words that Jesus had for his disciples right before his ascension. One moment he gave them the great commission and the next he started to ascend already, right? So these are the last words. These are Critical, these are important, these are very, very, very crucial commandments not to be taken lightly. Some of us, we may have experienced that. Some of our beloved elderly people passing away and get, you know, the family members are gathered around the, the bed and this old man or old sister started to say, you know, the last words, or oh, this house is for who and who, you know, that that resource uh, goes to where uh, and things like that. So these are the last words, these are the last will not to be taken lightly. Every word you know, need to be captured down by the hearers to be treated with the highest um, you know, importance. And so, even though, yeah, Jesus, he's not passing away, of course, but he's definitely leaving the disciples to the, to go to the Father. So these are the last words of Jesus right before he ascended. There's no extra words here. Uh, two verses, you look at that, no extra words. Uh, he never say, oh, have you eaten? Ah, where is the best laksa? Ah, things like that. No, 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 no. Verse 19, verse 20. No extra words. And there's also no Lack of words is just precise. The last word of God. The baton is passed on to the disciples now by Jesus, to the disciples. And Jesus prophesied about that. He said, way before, he said to the disciples, you are going to do greater things than me. What is the greater things that Jesus said about the disciples? The disciples, they, they never die on the cross. The greater thing that Jesus talked about is the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, Jesus fulfilled the gospel so that the disciples now 
can carry the gospel to the rest of the world. The greatest commission, the great commission, is the commandment for discipleship. The great commission lays out what the church, the disciples of Jesus, you and I, we are expected to accomplish. It's not an option. The great commission is not an option to consider. It is a commandment to obey. You understand? So it's not like, oh, you are the pastor, so you talk about the great commission. I'm just a normal church member, so I don't need to talk about the great commission. That's not the case. The Great Commission is a commandment for every believer, every genuine disciples of Jesus to obey. The question is not whether you like it or not. The question is whether you want to obey or not. Remember the word Lord and the word no, they don't go together. So the choice is in your hand. Don't come and argue with me after this, yeah? Go back to the Word. Go back to the Word. These are the words that Jesus had for the disciples, and not just the 11 disciples, but you and I, because we are the disciples as well, right? The Word in verse 19, Therefore, it continues with verse 18 where Jesus talked about his great authority. He talked about his great presence, right? And so it continues here. So therefore, connects verse 18 with the rest of the great commission. We have talked about that earlier on. The totality of the authority given to Jesus, the immense presence of Jesus, and later on, the Holy Spirit, right? Guidance and all that. Enable them to do the great commission. Therefore, go. Therefore, obey. Therefore, go and make disciples. Right? We must know that Jesus is the source, is the reason for us to obey the great commission. The mandate of discipleship includes disciple making uh, of others. Disciples uh, I'm talking about people, right? The people, the disciples, should be the product of a successful discipleship. The goal of ministries, as we talk about discipleship, is to produce faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. What is our aim? What are we trying to do here in FMC? We aim, we should aim to produce Genuine disciples of Jesus, people who love Jesus, people who know how sinful they are, and yet how gracious God is, people who accept salvation, people who respond to salvation, people who dedicate themselves to follow Jesus. People, disciples, are the ultimate product of a successful discipleship you know, journey. Programs are not programs are not the intended result. Uh, they are means of discipleship. As we make disciples, we have programs. You understand? Materials, whether you are talking about Bible study material, devotional material, any other training material, materials are not the intended result of a successful discipleship journey. They are means of 
disciple making. As we make disciples, we have materials. Alright? You use this material to make disciples. I use that material to use disciples. But materials in themselves, they are not the product of discipleship or disciple making. So you cannot look at uh, the amount of uh, books that are seated on your shelf, the amount of Bible study material at your home, or the amount of programs that you run every week, and then you say, ah, I have made disciples. No, no, no. That's not how we define discipleship, at least not here. All right? It takes a true disciple of Jesus to make another disciple of Jesus. Program, material, resources do not produce disciples. Do not. If they can, then I tell you what, Jesus would have right now a book called The Jesus Way of Making Effective <laughs> Disciples and Pass It Down. This is the, the secret book that I have. Follow this material. Follow this training program and you will make, you know, committed Christians. No, Jesus never do that. Program, materials, they are immaterial. They are not what make disciples. It takes a disciple to make another disciple. Just like if I ask you, um, how do we get, let's say, um, a chicken? You may say, farm, right? You may say that, oh, um, it's in my house, uh, you need uh, some hair, you need some material. But no, no, no. It takes a hen to give birth to a chicken, essentially. That's what it is. It takes a disciple, the discipleship, the disciple-making may be taking place in church, may be taking place in your home, may be even taking place in your workplace. But it's not this material, this program that produce disciples. No, it's the people that produce faithful disciples of Jesus, provided that you are genuine follower of Jesus. If not, then you also won't be able to uh, produce another disciple. Just like a hen cannot give birth to a human baby. Cannot. Just cannot. So before you make disciples, you must become a disciple of Jesus. You must first be one, you know, a disciple of Jesus. You know, in this pandemic time, it happens to me, I believe it happens to you. I think most of us, we want our programs back. We want our gathering back. We want life, church life, to go back to the norm, to go back to before pandemic, you know, myself included. i very much looking forward to have people whom I can, you know, interact, physically touch, um, and have Bible study, have life sharing, and all that. But before, before that, lest we are quick to go back to the norm, let us think about what is that valuable lesson that God has taught us in this pandemic time. These two years should not be wasted. It's not wasted. But have you learned something out of these two years? When church, you know, the doors are, are closed, what happened to our church, the people, are we still making disciples? Can we still function 
as the church? What is the most important in the church? Are we still faithful? Can we still be a church? What are some lessons that God is teaching us in this season of time? What if the reality is that we are more capable to run programs more than making disciples? Now, don't feel like I'm attacking, attack, attacking you personally. As I say, I barely know you, right? But this is a question, very important question for you to reflect. You know, what if we know how to run program very well, but we hardly make disciples? What if that's the case? Running program is comparatively simple. Oh, this week I'm scheduled to lead, so I just lead. Next week, I'm scheduled to play the piano, so I just play. The week after, I'm scheduled to, you know, do some activities, so I just run the activities. But the Great Commission, is it at the back of all this? Is it at the back of our mind that, yeah, a disciple should disciple another disciple? (laughs) Noun, verb, noun. A disciple should disciple, verb, another disciple, another person. If not, then, you know, we are only going further and further away from the heart of God, from the great commission by God right before He ascended. This is the super, super important commandment to be obeyed. I'm going to speed up just a bit because, uh, yeah, I know some of you are hungry, 12 ready. <laughs> now, Jesus said, okay, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, to which John Wesley actually concur. You know, our, our dear uh, John Wesley, he said, the world is my parish. But uh, does it mean that we have to travel out of Kuching in order to make disciples? You know the answer. It should not be yes, uh, it should be no. John Wesley himself, he, uh, he stayed put in UK and then he travelled to US for a couple of years as missionary and then he came back. Even the apostles themselves, some of them, they travel a bit further, but a few of them, they stay in Jerusalem, okay? They still obey the commandment of Jesus, the Great Commission. So you don't need to travel out of Kuching to make disciples. If not, then only those overseas missionaries, they are faithful to this great commission. Make disciples where you are. Make disciples wherever God sends you. God sent me to Kuching. And so it's in Kuching where I will aim to obey, where I will make disciples of Jesus Christ. Of all nations, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their, their, you know, whether they are Chinese or they are Ebans or they are some other ethnic groups, regardless of the dialects, regardless of the educational, education level, regardless of their financial status, whether they are rich or poor, regardless of their societal standing, you know, make disciples. No discrimination. That's what it means of all nations. Even in the Old Testament, it talks about God's, uh, God's heart. You know, God wanted very much for all nations to turn back to Him. So of all nations, no discrimination. We are all people whom God loves. Jesus commanded us to make disciples 
wherever He leads us. So you have to go to where God calls you. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. No discrimination, just make disciples right where we are, right where Jesus is sending us. But then what, what does it mean? Uh, what does it take to make disciples? Okay, I know the mission now, uh, the, great com- uh, the great commission is to make disciples, but what does it mean? What does it take to make disciples? Jesus explained, right? Elaborate. Number one, baptize them. Okay, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? <laughs> Baptize someone. Does it mean that we just go out and pull people to come to FMC service and just, you know, dunk them in water, water baptism? We think about baptism in terms of liturgical service, right? Where the pastor put our hands on, on, on the candidate and we baptize them. But what Jesus meant here is not just, is more than a liturgical service. It's more than the act itself, the baptism, the water baptism service, the act itself. Jesus, when he talked about baptism, in light of what Jesus said in, in another place where Jesus had this conversation with Cornelius, Jesus talked about people who are born again. These are the people who will see the kingdom of God. And then Cornelius was like, born again, how can I go back to the womb of my mother and be born again? And this is when Jesus said this. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. You see? the baptism of water and the baptism of the Spirit that go together. Jesus explained here what does it mean to be born again. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, that's how Jesus, uh, you know, used the word baptism. Someone who is baptized is someone who is born again. You understand? To put it simply, someone who is baptized with water and we believe in the Spirit as well is someone who is born again. That's why in verse 19, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, meaning make them born again. Make disciples that are born again. There should not be just converts who hear about the gospel and who wait to go to heaven. Discipleship is not that simple. I believe in Jesus, I wait and die. Right? We have people who are like that. Not you, I know not you, some other people. (laughs) People who believe in Jesus and say, I don't care about the rest, I just believe in Jesus and I'll go to heaven one day. I just do what I like. I just, you know, live my life as if I never received Christ. I just live my life my own way. I do things my own way and one day I'll wait to go to heaven. No, no, no. Jesus said go and make disciples, not converts. Not just converts. Not just people who wait to go into heaven. Jesus said, make them born again. Baptize them. Baptize them in spirit. 
as well with water. As if not clear enough, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Remember, the totality of obedience is everything, okay? It's not choose and pick. Oh, dear, dear Lord Jesus, uh, item 1 to 10, I think I like 2 and 3. So I'll do 2 and 3. No. Everything. Everything I commanded you, Jesus said, you should teach them. Likewise, they should obey. Again, you must make sure that you obey the voice of God, not the voice of man. But if you are sure that this is the voice of God, this is what Jesus really have commanded, has commanded, then you should say what? Yes. No matter how hard it is, you should say yes. Why? Because the word Lord and the word no don't go together. Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Jesus say in Exodus, go and make disciples. Make people, not program. Don't create more programs only without disciples. Not more Bible study materials, but we are not making disciples. No, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and produce more people who love God, who recognize that they are sinners, who accept the salvation, who are born again, who are not just born again for the sake of entering into heaven, that is important as well, but who are born again to obey Jesus, who love Jesus no matter how hard it is. Yes, Lord, by your grace, Enable me. That's what we should say, right? Discipleship is really not just going to heaven. Discipleship is about how we live our life as well. I think you have heard that many, many times, uh, but I hope it sinks in your heart, into your hearts this morning to obey everything. It's not legalism, as I say, it's not obeying the rules of man, but it's obeying the commandment of God. It's about obeying everything that Jesus had commanded us. It's about serving where Jesus asked us to go. Right? When he said, go, you just go. When he said, this is where I place you to serve me in, you just do it. By His grace, not by your experience, not by your... Of course, God gives you the skills, God gives you that, that experience, God gives you that wisdom, but you must always remember that the first thing that comes to your mind is that you are serving the Lord in the Lord, for the Lord. Alright? You are serving the Lord in the Lord, for the Lord. Of course, we, we have all these resources. It's a blessing, right? But we must turn to Jesus. May He be at the center. Discipleship, disciple-making is about obedience uh, to make disciples who really love God.
Discipleship starts with the Lord and it ends with the Lord as well. Because at the end of verse 20, Jesus actually say what? And surely I am with you always. The very end of the age. So the presence of the Lord that precedes the Great Commission, the presence of the Lord that gives it a closure. It begins in Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. and ends with Jesus Christ. I will be with you always. So no matter how hard it is, we can do it. Not because we are good, not because we are bad, but because the Lord is faithful. I have a few questions for reflection. Number one, where is Jesus calling you to serve in this season of life? Some of us, you know, we serve in different areas. It's okay. We are, we need to be faithful in whatever areas that God has called us to. Number two, is Jesus truly the Lord of your life? If He is, then you should only say yes. Number three, ask the Lord for people whom you can disciple this year. Jesus disciple 12 disciples, right? So you, you don't need to do that. One or two, that will be really, really nice, right? If each one of us, we disciple one or two other person, imagine that kind of impact to FMC. Uh, the 140 seats will be filled up just like that. <laughs> Double of you filled out already. This morning, I roughly counted close to 100. Right, those of you who want to come, better come quickly. <laughs> All right, so let's do that. Let's um, pray about that. Ask the Lord to show us people um, whom He's given us in our lives to journey together with. Right, think about the the the, the questions. Uh, we spend one minute to just respond in prayer as well. Let's do that.